this stage of the investigation. We believe that Google's conduct may amount to an abuse of a dominant position. If proven, these conducts would be illegal under our rules. We should look ahead. If we come to the conclusion that these practices are illegal, we'll need to ensure that they are brought effectively to an end. And that was the voice of the European Union's Commissioner for Competition, Margrethe Vestager, with an announcement that may prove to be a game-changer in the bloc's regulatory clash with big tech. I'm James Paniki, coming to you from the LexisNexis offices in Melbourne, Australia. Welcome to MLEX's weekly podcast, covering the biggest regulatory stories of the moment. And they don't get much bigger than this one. It's not just that the European Commission suspects that Google's ad business is anti-competitive, What's groundbreaking is the solution that the Commission is pointing to. Here's what Vestaya had to say about that last week. A remedy requiring Google to just change its behaviour would allow Google to do what it has been doing so far, just under a different disguise. Should the Commission conclude that Google acted uh, in an illegal manner, it might require Google to divest part of its services. For instance, Google could divest... Uh, its sell side tool, uh, DFP and Annex. By doing so, we would put an end to the conflict of interest. That's right. The Commission is considering some old school trust busting involving a forced breakup of Google's ad business. As we'll hear on today's podcast, this is radical stuff in an EU context. However, the Commission can rely on some transatlantic political coverage as well. It's a fascinating, evolving story that's been covered meticulously by our Brussels-based team. Nicholas Hurst is our chief EU correspondent covering M&A and antitrust. Lewis Crofts is MLEX's editor-at-large, and they join us right now. So, uh, Lewis, how did we get to this? I mean, after all, this is not the first time that the Commission has clashed with Google. What's the problem this time round? Yes, James, it is a bit of deja vu. This is the fourth case which the European Commission is advancing or has advanced against the company. Uh, You remember the first big one was Google Shopping. That was its uh, powerful search engine being used to squeeze out other companies in the online shopping space. That led to a 2.4 billion fine. There's another one about Android, which is about all the... um, handcuffs and, and, and restrictions on the Android operating system on mobile phones. That was a, uh, a chunky $4 billion. And then there was a third case about AdSense, which is about the uh, way that ads appear when you search on, on uh, third-party websites. All of those cases were all headline stuff, the third slightly smaller than the, than the other two. But the company's not out of the doghouse yet. Uh, the European Commission last week advanced its next case, and this is about um, what's called ad tech in journalese. This is the complex plumbing of the internet. This is um, how uh, when you go on a website and a publisher, so that's a newspaper, shows an ad, how does that get in front of your eyeballs? There's a whole complex process behind that. And the, the problem that the Commission has found, or it thinks it's found, it's alleging against Google in a uh, what's called a statement of objections that sets out its its case, and it's alleging that essentially there's a there's a huge conflict of interest in the ad tech industry, and Google is is present everywhere, and it is abusing that power. Okay, thank you for taking us through the plumbing, Nicholas. Take us into the alleged infringement uh, this time. What has Google done precisely? Tell us something about the circumstances of the concerns expressed by the European Commission. Sure thing. First, it's very important to understand what the ad tech stack is 
obesity at a very high level. This is the technology that connects advertising space online with adverts in the blink of an eye, but it's complex. On one end of the stack, you've got technology that works with advertisers that gets the ads. On the other end of the stack, you've got technology that works with websites where they can list what space they have to carry ads. And then in the middle, you've got auctions where offer and demand meet. Now, what's important to know is that Google is very strong through that whole chain. Essentially, what the commission is complaining about is self-preferencing. So it says that Google uses its dominant or strong position in one aspect of the ad tech stack to reinforce its position in another aspect of the ad tech stack, all the time taking fees from different customers, fees that the commission claims are, are too high. For example, certain Google technology would apparently only work with Google's own auction house. Now, if you're a rival auction house and you can't work with Google's very popular AdWords, that's a big problem. You're missing a whole chunk of demand in the market. Another example, Google would apparently give its own auction house a last look or an exclusive chance to outbid the bids sourced by rival auction houses. Now, Commissioner Margaret Vestager, who's the boss of competition in Europe, had quite a nice way of describing this. She said, Google's technology was organizing a sealed bid auction but was allowing Google's own participant in that auction, AdX, to open the sealed envelope of all other rivals before placing its own bid. So that gives you a sense. Google is using its prominent position in one aspect of the ad tech stack to favor its technology in other aspects of the ad tech stack, blocking rivals from entering the market and, according to the commission, leading to much higher commissions taken from both advertisers and publishers. Now, Lewis, that is what the company has done or it's alleged to have done. When I hear talk of sealed envelopes, I assume it's a, an open and shut case. But what does the European Commission now want from Google? What do they want Google to do? So this is where it gets a bit tasty, uh, James. What the Commission's done is exceptional. It is levied charges. And usually when you levy charges, a statement of objections, you say, uh, dear company, we think you've done X, Y, Z. Uh, and you can respond to those charges. That process then goes on for a year or two, and then you get a final decision, and that final decision says, uh, stop what you're doing and pay a fine. And that's the usual course of events. In this instance, already at this preliminary stage where the commission has scoped out its case, it's already said to Google, this is where we think we're going to end up. It is signposted where this is all heading. And usually it only does that at the end of the case where it says, you know, we found all these things, you're guilty and stop doing it. Now what it's saying is we think this is going to end up in a divestment. There are a number of ways that you can solve antitrust problems. You can promise to behave better. You can license your intellectual property. You can give access to rivals. You know, all these things that dominant companies can do to make it fair, a fairer marketplace for its customers and its rivals. In this instance, the commission is saying, we don't think any of those promises a promise to change your behavior or a promise to just separate one bit out of the company into another bit out of the company, but it all still sits in the same headquarters. It's saying the only solution here or the most likely solution here is a structural one. Structural means cutting off an arm or a leg and selling it to a rival. And this is it's pretty brutal, to be honest. One, that it comes so early in the, in the probe 
but two, that it comes at all. This, the Commission has this power under something called Article 7. And Article 7 says um, you can only order such divestments. You can only order a structural sell-off if it's, it's basically there's no other choice. There's no other less burdensome, less painful option. If the think company can argue, hang on, we can get to the same point by doing something which is less painful to us, then the commission should really accept it. In this instance, at this early stage, the commission is saying, we don't think we're going to land there. In fact, we think this is so complicated, and this is the argument of the commission. We think the what, what Nicholas just explained about this sort of complex intertwining of platforms and inventories and exchanges and ad buying tools, ad selling tools. We think it's all so complicated. And, you know, Google has grown this business over uh, over a decade, adding in bits of code, buying new companies, weaving it all together into this into this ad tech stack. And of course think it's so complicated. The only way is to is to is to cut the Gordian knot and simply force the company to sell off one of the businesses. It's got basically an option. It can sell off, you know, the business which deals with the supply side or, or, or the business which deals with the with, with the buy side. But that's what's exceptional is that the commission not only is seeking this outcome, but it's, but it's flagging it at this stage of the proceeding. Nicholas, people have been asking for big tech to be broken up for a long time now. Uh, lots of calls uh, constantly, in fact, for uh, an arm or a leg to be amputated, as Lewis put it so eloquently before. Why is this exceptional this time? Why so much commotion? Those calls go back a decade or so. And I think it's fair to say that, at least initially, they were all always fairly fringe. Commissioner Vestager herself said multiple times that forcing a divestment, forcing a big tech company to sell off part of its business was possible but it was really a solution of last resort. She always downplayed the idea. She always suggested that she was never going to go there. Why? Obviously, because this is a huge intervention into basic property rights and into companies' rights to do business. Also, this kind of move is irreversible. If you impose a behavioral remedy and it doesn't work, or the market changes, or a Chinese company suddenly becomes ultra-dominant in the sector, you can always unpick that behavioural remedy, not with a sale. Of course, there's, there are examples of divest for or breakups happening in the past. Famously, Standard Oil many decades ago, the Bell system in the 1980s in the US. But that kind of solution has disappeared from antitrust in, in recent years, I, I think. But there has been in the last couple of years, as any listener of this podcast will know, a dramatic shift in enforcer opinion, in public opinion, around big tech. And where where this was fringe a few years ago, I think it's become quite common or quite accepted, in particular in the US, to discuss this as potentially necessary. So much so that the Department of Justice is actually seeking the breakup of Google in litigation that it has with Google or its parents, Alphabet, over exactly the same issues as the Commission. Now, that's an important or essential fact when looking at the European case, because sure, the Commission is taking this very bold move, and yes, it can do so under EU legislation, but the Department of Justice is also giving it huge political cover 
because the Department of Justice is also seeking the breakup of that hugely successful US company that is Google. Without that, it's questionable whether the commission would have gone down the same route. But it has. And what it means is that now we have this impressive cross-Atlantic alliance between the world's two leading regulators saying, enough is enough. Google is too mighty in this sector and needs to be broken up. You know, there is a, a big change in atmospherics, which means something like this is is possible. Uh, as Nicholas said, if the US is asking for it, then it's easier for the EU to ask for it. You know, I propose you, you imagine what life would be like if it was the other way around, if the commissioner had stood up and said, I'm happy with a lesser outcome than that in America, then obviously the dogs of war would have been unleashed on the commissioner and this would have been a kind of, oh, Europe's too weak and the US is stronger. So I think that that's a very strong part of the narrative. The second is, frankly, the last three cases into Google, which I mentioned at the beginning, haven't really changed the market. Google's still a massive company and the customers are still annoyed um, at the outcomes. So I think the commission has, has, has political cover, economic cover there. And thirdly, what the commission is trying to do with this dominance law, Article 102, is trying to make it relevant, trying to make it um, actionable and effective and show that it's got teeth. And this is this is a way to do it. If you're going to pick a case, why not do this one where you've got the cover of, of the US? I think the sort of philosophical question is, would the commission do this if it was a German company and it didn't have the backing of the US? Uh, I'd probably have to say currently it wouldn't do that. Uh, there's only it's only really deployed this two other times and neither of which are particularly informative for this kind of situation one was a small Austrian recycling company and there the company um actually said I'll, I'll offer you this and it sort of you know presented um, the divestiture on a plate to the commission and the commission only adopted it because um it thought it would sort of cauterize the wound and stop the infringement happening again in the future and clearly we're kind of uh, not in that space but I think people will be watching this to see, A, how the company defends itself and its rights, because this is a massive intervention. Uh, B, other tech companies will be unnoticed that this is now on the cards. They can't uh, sweet talk their way out of um, investigations by offering cute fixes, behavioral fixes, promises. This is now a, um, a, a, possible, a possible outcome. So, you know, Balls and Google's court, um, it's got a quite a tricky job to do in playing these two probes, the US one and the US litigation and the uh, European probe at the same time. That's a complex job. They both have different timelines. They will both have different people asking for different things at different times. And, you know, the ad tech market is global. It's going to not want to have two separate solutions for, for two separate jurisdictions. So I think that's the tricky strategic question now for Google is how do I play these two chessboards at the same time? And Nicholas, very briefly, what is Google's response to all of this? It can't be happy with these developments. Yeah, that's right. Google strongly rejects all these allegations. Firstly, it underlines quite how incredible, in some way, the online advertising market is in that it's it's fed the internet as we know it now. It's allowed all these businesses to develop. And it makes the point that advertising technology helps businesses, gives them a cheap option of advertising and leads to lower costs for consumers. It also claims that ad tech markets are fiercely competitive, to quote, with, it says, hundreds of companies in this space ranging from Amazon, Microsoft and Meta to more specialist ones like Criteo and the Trade Desk. 
Nicholas Lewis, great talking as always. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks, James. Thanks a lot, James. Nicholas Hurst is MLEX's chief EU correspondent. Lewis Crofts is our editor at large. Their analysis of this Google clash has been unshackled from the paywall and is ready for you to peruse. MLEXmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X marketinsight.com. Click on the News Hub tab for the very best of MLEX's reporting and analysis. Our subscribers also have access to a portfolio of content on this particular story, which gives you absolutely everything that you need to know about what has happened and where things are heading. You'll also see an archive of podcasts, which I encourage you to play around with. I'm sure you'll find something to fire up your imagination. Or you can just subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you go for your podcasts. The program was presented and produced by me, James Paniki. Our lively marketing team in London makes sure that the podcast gets uploaded every week. And our executive producer is Richard Thompson. From everyone here at MLEX and LexisNexis, thank you for your company. I'll see you soon. Bye.